Welcome to The Leap. I'm Matthew, and with me is Micah. What the haps, Micah? Yo! So each week we split the podcast into two parts. Second part of the podcast, we talk about players we think are making The Leap. For the first part, we pick a game of the week that we both watch where we try to key in on the more obscure players and then not quite yet superstars. And then come here to talk to each other about it. So that's where we'll start. Uh, we watched the Los Angeles Lakers against the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, the Grizzlies won 128 to 119. Micah, why did we watch this game? Well, dude, this is mostly my behest, I think. But uh, <laughs> Memphis, I've always been liking the last few years. I like their style of play. And they just lost their best player for the year, Marcus Gasol while also simultaneously making a couple interesting trades. Mm -hmm. uh, so I really wanted to see where they were at this week after the upheaval. So they traded away Jeff Green and Courtney Lee, mm -hmm. um, two of the good character, kind of like good guys on the team, which was also <laughs> interesting to me because it was kind of Here like we go with the moralizing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was really interesting to me because I realized for the first time that Lance Stevenson is on the same team as Matt Barnes. Dude, it's and a then problem. I was also realizing all of the other guys, like Zach Randolph, who who's fine now, but we're just talking about people with any checkered history. Birdman's on the team. Yeah. PJ Harrison's on the team. What's Tony up with Allen's on the team. Do you know much about Harrison's personality? I was going to ask you this because he's a perfect fit for their offense. He can shoot threes. He's versatile. Play multiple positions. So that was he's a a, a guy that they just got from Charlotte. Um, but to go back to what you were saying earlier. You said you really like how the Grizzlies play. I feel like you're on an island by yourself uh, <laughs> as like an NBA uh, watcher with that sort of idea, right? Well, it's because they're like the ultimate counterpunching team now, you know, like they do the uh, just because the league is sort of so uniform with at least what people are trying to do. Get up and down the court, shoot lots of threes. The Memphis Grizzlies, the last few, I'm talking about over the course of the last few years, they've been very post-oriented with Zach Randolph and Marc Gasol. Yep. I just love watching Gasol and Randolph work together. Mm -hmm. They're just like such a delicious team to me because they're so old school, but they both do different things, but they're also both versatile. And those are two guys that, uh, yeah, if they were on a different team that was running a different style, I don't know. They're very versatile guys. They're just not being used in a very showy way on this team does that yeah. make sense yeah yeah um so just the last few years it's been fun for me to watch them do well in the playoffs they slow it down and they beat people up i don't know it's yeah. pretty fun it's pretty fun and and now too that you're saying that the nba is like strictly uniform in a certain way the grizzlies are kind of like the insurrection or this exactly. rebellious outlier team all of a sudden well, and that's the thing, you know, they've kind of doubled down, you know, instead of changing, they've basically been like, well, this is what we've good at. We're good at. We've got these two great post players. Yeah. So let's just orient everything around that. And it works a surprising amount of the time. Mm -hmm. They're not very showy, but there was one person that is very showy that got traded to their team, which was Lance Stevenson. And he was up for one of the two most gift or vine plays of the week. Yeah. Uh, the other would have been Dougie McDermott. Uh, yeah. Right. dunking on wednesday but this game he had the awesome gift did you see it i did dude yeah. it was totally glorious the lance it. stevenson one yeah yeah multiple times um, what was funny is that it's you know he tried the spin move and he falls and then he throws the ball up at the rim still yeah he he actually pulled off that move successfully like 
maybe four times. This was the funniest thing the about the game, right? Is he yeah. was doing that stuff the entire game. Entire I, game. Because I saw the GIF before uh, I actually watched the game. Me too. Exactly. But I was surprised. I'm like, he was literally doing this on every play of the game. And most of the time, that stuff works for him. Almost He's, every time. I, he reminds me of a tornado or something every time he gets the ball because he's always spinning and holding the ball out to one side with one hand. He's really fun to watch play. He might be maddening if he's your teammate, but he's, he's great to watch play. Well, they're there because of where the team is at right now. We were just talking about, they lost their best player. They made the trades. They're in flux a little bit. He's in the best position for him to succeed because they need so much on offense and defense right now. That was why he has, really fell off with the Clippers so far this year and wasn't playing at all for them it was because with the Clippers, he had to be a very specific minor role mm-hmm. and he's just not the guy that's ever going to do that very well. So the fact that, I don't know. Yeah. They can take advantage of his craziness Memphis right now because yeah. they need that kind of, I don't know. Absolutely. They need someone factor. to create something. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, so the game got off to a good start for the Grizzlies. They, it was 18-4 to four to start the game at one Basically point. Basically over after the first quarter. That's yeah. exactly how I felt. Now, the yeah. Lakers brought it back close, like at the end of the first half. But I never... It felt like once it got to 18-4, to four, there were subs of the Lakers starting lineup, like the older guys went out. And it seemed like an admission that this game's over, so let's go ahead and get our young guys in. Right? Dude, this is the loosest NBA game that I've seen this year. And granted, this is the Lakers we're talking about. They were very terrible. They give up a ton of points. They've been giving up 118 points a game in the four games since the All-Star break, which oh is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so maybe every Lakers game is like this. I try not to watch the Lakers, so I'm not sure. But this was like everyone was just clowning and laughing with each other, right? Yeah. Obviously, Memphis now they've got, you know, Matt Barnes, also kind of a loose cannon, Lance. Yeah. They're sort of a very loose team anyway. Yeah. But it was just funny because I was already thinking that how the game was just totally, it felt like kind of a pickup or like intramural game or something. And then midway through the third quarter, I don't know if you noticed this, I was watching the Memphis feed. Same thing. Okay. And uh, Brevin Knight, the color guy, did you notice when he starts blasting Memphis for getting multiple delay of game warnings? Uh Uh-uh. For players coming into the game with their jerseys untucked. <laughs> yes, I did hear that, actually, yes. Anyway. Brevin Knight had a, another gem in the first quarter. It was only 10 minutes and 41 seconds or so into the first quarter. Roy Hibbert was at the line, and Brevin mentioned the Lakers needing to get him engaged. So Hibbert hit the first free throw and then didn't score again for the rest of the game. <laughs> so it was, he mentioned Hibbert and Howard as people that needed to get more involved by their teams. See, and, and that was, yeah, yeah. what did you think of that? Because I, I feel like we've talked about Dwight Howard a little bit this year, how his problems are because partially because of his engagement and will or whatever, but yeah. also because of just the way the league is played now, you know? And I feel like if I was Hibbert, man, I would be depressed and unengaged also. Oh, you know, yeah. you, you came into the league seven foot plus dude with that can shoot and pass and do everything. Yeah. You were expecting to dominate, basically, be one of the best players in the league, probably. And then over the course of his career, the league has changed so much. He's a complete afterthought. And he's kind of a liability for most teams, no kind of like White. So it's like, I can't blame him for being unengaged. I'd be depressed too, man. Bad. Real bad. <laughs> Just cut some some bright spots for the Lakers, though. I'll just mention the three young guys for them. 
So Julius Randle had 33 minutes. Um, he had 11 points and 14 rebounds in that 30 minutes or 33 minutes. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, favorite of ours, played 33 minutes as well, had 22 points, eight assists, four rebounds. And then Jordan Clarkson played 41 minutes. He had 28 points, six rebounds, three assists. He's also had 20 or more points in the last five of his seven games. What did you think? Which of those guys stood out to you? Dude, I thought uh, D'Angelo, that was like a surprisingly quiet 22 points somehow. Um, he didn't really seem to be controlling the ball too much. He was doing, most of his points came off of like catch and shoot, you know, yep. or like attention on Kobe. Um, but it seemed like Byron was playing uh, a rotation of Kobe, Jordan, and D'Angelo mm-hmm. more than I've seen this year anyway. I thought that was kind of interesting that he would play those three guys together. I like that. I think Byron mentioned too earlier this week or the Lakers organization that D'Angelo Russell was going to start the rest of the year or something. They put that oh, out there. Okay. Yeah. If I was D'Angelo, I'd rather not because it's kind of this yeah. weird circus until exactly. Kobe subs out. And yeah. Clarkson and Julius are coming off the bench right now. So I would rather play with them and kind of play as a real team with that second unit. Or I'd like Clarkson. To like come off the bench, honestly, if I was D'Angelo. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. They really seem to let Clarkson dominate the ball mm-hmm. completely. And he seems to be, I don't know if they're expecting him to be their like point guard of the future or whatever, but um, more than D'Angelo anyway. He is. No, that'd be cool. I like the, yeah, I like the two of them together theoretically. Shout out to uh, Peter Oliver, who found this on Basketball Reference. Uh, we talked about Rodney Hood recently. The comparisons between Clarkson and Hood are insane in terms of their stats and who they are right now they're almost exactly they have almost exactly the same stats this year which is ridiculous they're both 23 years old it's both their second season they both score 15 points a game they both shoot exactly 37.1 percent from three they both shoot 47 percent from two and average two and a half assists a game it's but see, kind of freaky. It is funny. And that's interesting to notice because it's one of these, there's a real disconnect between the stats and their actual play. Like if you watch both of these guys play, both of their teams, the Jazz and the Lakers, could not be more different yep. with just how they run every offense and defense. Mm-hmm. And also both of those two guys' roles are totally different. Yep. So like, even though the stats are kind of similar, what does that really tell you? I think the eye Besides test for definitely bizarre tells... anomaly. <laughs> right. I think the eye test tells me I don't think Jordan Clarkson is worse than Rodney Hood, but Rodney Hood's play is contributing two wins for his team. Big time, yeah. Anything else from this game? You know, sadly, not too much, man. Like I say, <laughs> it was over after the first quarter. You know, but I did notice, well, I was just going to say that um, it'll be interesting to see how, yeah, I was talking about their style the last few years, how it's been very defensive-oriented, mm-hmm. slow pace, right? This Memphis is one of, let's see, the fourth to last in pace. Yeah. Um, but since these acquisitions, since the all-star break, the last few games, and again, now they, they played the Lakers again last night. So they played the Lakers twice this week. So the data is kind of uh, unreliable because it includes two games against <laughs> the worst team, but even still their, uh, pace has only gone up slightly, but their fast break points have gone up quite a bit. Hmm. Um, so it seems to me like, you know, Lance is a good defender. Yeah. They already had Matt Barnes. He's a really good defender. Yep. P- 
PJ Hairston is solid, but he brings some shooting. It seems like they're going to be able to, and now that they don't have Gasol, they don't have to play two big men together. Yep. Um, it seems like they might be able to successfully transpose their defensive style mm. onto more kind of fluid, faster wing players, but to be more wing oriented. That's Does that interesting. Make sense? Yes. So I'm hoping the rest of the year that that's how they play because it could be fun to watch. You know, if they just have a bunch of wings that just hassle everybody, yeah. create turnovers. Yeah, that'll yeah. make them a lot more fun for me to watch in the playoffs. Yeah. I think it'll make their ceiling and floor a lot higher in terms yeah. of a first round matchup with, you know, the Clippers or something like that. Exactly. It's, and so that's what I'm saying. It would be cool if they took that because they don't have the shooting to mm-hmm. match up style of modern NBA. But if they can play that defensive style and create extra opportunities, that'll balance that out. Definitely. (laughs) So I will start. And this is a person that I've had in my back pocket the whole season for the leap. That I've been just waiting for him to do something. So that I could feature him on the leap. Dude, I got one of those too, man. Who you got? And I finally realized this week. He's the kind of player. (laughs) (laughs) He's terrible. So don't worry about it. Oh, he's the kind of player that just isn't going to have one of those weeks. Okay. And that's okay. And I still like him a lot. It's Corey Joseph from the Toronto Raptors. Oh. I had been noticing that he had been playing crunch time in a lot of their games early in the season with DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. So they had a lot of guards out on the court. To back up, though, Corey Joseph, he's a 6'3 point guard. He's 24 years old. He went to college at Texas. He actually played there with Tristan Thompson, of whom he grew up with and played basketball his whole life. So Canadian buddies. Um, He played for the Spurs for four years as just a backup point guard. Played a lot in the D-League his first two years in the league. But this last summer, Toronto signed him to a four-year, $30 million deal. He has pretty... What solidified this last week is he has average traits, and he's your prototypical average NBA point guard. He's just average, and I really, really like that about him, though. Like, I feel like that's really good. That's not me demeaning him at all. But he's average in every area. Does that make sense? No, totally. He's reliable. He's the type of dude that you need, I don't know, to play 15 minutes a game or something. He's averaging 25 minutes a game. Uh, averaging that's, wow, na- that's good. Yeah. nine points, three assists, two and a half mm-hmm. rebounds, closing out a lot of games, like I said. He's had an uptick since the All-Star break, though, so this is the only breakout point <laughs> of his season, basically, and so that's why I'm highlighting him. Same amount of minutes a game, but jumped up to 14 points a game, four and a half assists, and three rebounds. On basketball reference, what's interesting is Toronto actually has the best five-man unit that's played over 150 minutes together, and, and that combination is pretty weird, too. It's Lowry, Corey Joseph, Bismack Biambo, Pat Patterson, and Terrence Ross. Huh. Yeah, kind of an interesting combo. All defense. It definitely helps that he played for the Spurs for a couple years because... Yes. That had like whatever, like you're saying, he's kind of just the solid sort of unspectacular bench guy. Yes. Uh, By playing on the Spurs, he had a coach in a system that encourages that and validates that. So now he can go for the rest of his career and feel like, hey, this is just who I am and be totally confident and not like worrying about 
oh, should I be stepping up this or that? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just a huge bonus to him that he has that background. Yes. Dude, okay, so not to transition away because we can still talk about it, but uh, so my first leap is a micro leap, but Kyle Lowry, dude, the starting point guard for the Toronto wow, Raptors. Nice. Now, okay, now I know this, at first you're not excited, you're bored. Kyle Lowry, the last few years, he's been kind of producing at the same around the same level that he's at now, right? Where he's like not going to be considered one of the best at his position at all, but above average, right? Mm-hmm. You would say. The Toronto Raptors have been kind of like also that around that same level where they're in the top three in the East the last few years, but they've gone out in the first round the last, but they're just not scaring anybody at all, right? Exactly. They they're on the yeah. cusp of making the finals but not really on the cusp of that at all, you know? Well, but but also they can't get out of the first round. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, okay, did you watch their game last night against the Cavs? I watched a little bit of it. I did watch the last two minutes of it. Dude, I'm so happy that I watched it. Because, yeah, like I was saying, Raptors, boring. I try to never watch them. But Lowry, okay, so DeMar DeRozan, his running mate, the two guard, mm-hmm. he had the flu last night. He shot one for 11. They're playing already the Cavaliers, who are only two games ahead of them for the East mm-hmm. lead. Uh, so it's a big game for Lowry in basically every respect. They're playing the best team. They need Lowry to step way up. He had 43 points, his career, the best game of his entire life. Okay, The last two buckets of the game, he backed down Delavadova, hit a step back jumper over, Del- over Delavadova Which to win the game. Which makes it so much sweeter. Makes it so delicious <laughs> that he's scoring on the most hated player in the league. Um, but also he, like he was celebrating the whole fourth. They won the game. He just walked off. And then the post-game interview, they're asking, I don't know. He did the classic sort of coach speak thing where he's like, oh, it's just another win, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. But what it showed in this instance is that he's kind of focused on getting better in the playoffs. Right. But also just let me make the statistical case here because his stats are surprisingly good. Dude, do you know that he's tied for the lead, the league lead in steals? Uh Uh-uh. 2.2 2.2 steals a game where he was at 1.6 last year. So that's only 0.6 improvement, but that's the difference again, from being pretty good to being literally the best. Yeah, it's like right? 125% of what he did last, last year. That's exactly. a huge jump. Exactly. And that's also mirrors like Toronto has gotten, now their identity is defensive team basically, right? With him, with Damari Carroll, with like that lineup you're talking about, yep. Terrence Ross, Bismack Biombo. Defense is what they're about, where they make their money. Yep. Um, and Kyle Lowry seems to be leading the charge in that. And they got that Uh, Drake money, too. (laughs) Dude, did you know that Lowry is also fifth in the league in three-pointers made? No. Exactly. This is also a guy who was shooting his first five or six years in the league. He's shooting like 25%. Yeah. He's up to to 39% this year, which is still like, you know, good, not great at all. But the fact that he's shooting a lot more, and also his percentage went way up. Yeah. To me, that says a lot. That's like, he's not satisfied with the level of being, like you say, on the cusp, pretty good, respected universally. He's now trying to be like, no, I'm actually, I would like to win a title if possible. <laughs> um, and especially it, the time is now because Cleveland, you know, they look weak now after losing Verigel. That's really exposed a lot of their personal infighting problems, right? Um, they lost, yeah, last night to Toronto and they lost to Detroit earlier in the week. So I don't know. I could really see Toronto upsetting the Cavs in the playoffs this year, potentially. So wait, here's, here's the one last stat thing I want to mention before I forget, we can move on. 
So, you know, the EFF efficiency number? Yeah. Right. Um, his at 23 is better than Rondo, John Wall, Mike Conley, Reggie Jackson, Isaiah Thomas, and Damian Lillard. Mm. So, I don't know. To me, I think he's basically, again, this is a micro leap, but he's not like top five point guards, but of like that next tier of guys, he's the best, I think. I think I'd agree, too. Just because we've talked about like Isaiah Thomas, yeah, Reggie, Reggie Jackson, how they've made this same leap, basically, to like leading their team. Yep. And I think Kyle Lowry is better than all those guys. Yeah. I like so, it. It could be good to watch them in the playoffs. I'm excited. I think it's interesting, the distinction on it's a micro leap, yet once you're that good, any micro leap you can make is huge. Precisely. It, and that's what, yeah, exactly. We've talked about this a little bit with Isaiah Thomas and Reggie Jackson. That's why I bring them up. Because yeah. they have been really good going into this year. But this year, they seem to be now like, yeah, again, trying to win a title. Yep. Playing, playing for something above just being really good, you know? Yep. All right, speaking of playing, are you ready to play a little game? Okay. <laughs> this is all on you, okay? So Uh-oh. it's a game called, that I made up an hour ago, <laughs> 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 called get made or throw shade <laughs> okay. okay so i got five questions this i gotta say already this that's an excellent title for a little mini segment you should be working for like yahoo sports or something you know i should, I should. Uh. Yeah. fox sports one here i come <laughs> okay so damian lillard will end up uh at the end of the season being in the top five in mvp voting get made or throw shade on that. Oh man, <clears throat> I can't even predict that. But I guess I would say made. Made. Just because no one else is really playing at that level, maybe I don't. Or there's not that many guys. I don't Re- know. Recency bias makes me think get made on it. That Especially, he's gonna, yeah, squeeze into the like five spot or something. I think everyone that would be voting on that maybe feels bad that he got snubbed for the All Star game too. That too. That is <laughs> so important. that really helps. Yes, him. very yeah. important. Okay. Get made. Lillard, top five MVP candidate. Cool. There was news out earlier this week, just a rumor, that the 76ers were going to throw a max contract at Dennis Schroeder of the Atlanta Hawks. Schroeder, dude. Schroeder. Respect I, know, I can't um, say it right. I know you dude, know the German stuff better than me. <laughs> and I took my time trying to figure out if I could actually say it right. And I still didn't. So I just think it's funny. He's the first player in NBA history to get an umlaut. I can't even on say that, his, dude. I know what you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> so they were talking about him getting a max contract from the Sixers. In terms of that being a good thing for the Sixers to do at this point, get made or throw shade at that? I'd throw shade at that. But I do like Schrader. And we talked about that earlier in the year, the two point guards for the Hawks. I think Schrader helps the Hawks a lot more than Teague. I like so, it. So I like him. But Ish Smith, to me, is kind of better than Schrader, mm. even for the Sixers, right? So Ish is about to get made. I mean, Hopefully. just because you would think, right? Doesn't that make more sense? Okay, third question. It's kind of a follow-up to something you didn't answer me back on earlier this week, so I'm putting <laughs> you on the spot here. But you texted something. You were watching the Jazz Rockets game and saying that you really liked watching the Jazz all of a sudden. Jazz as your favorite league pass team right now. Get made or throw shade? Shade, big time. But okay. I do like them. I yeah. like them. Yeah. In, the, in the Memphis way, right? Yeah. How they're doing a different style, you know, a little bit old school. 
I don't know. I like Derek Favors a lot. Yeah. When I was thinking, the fourth question, when I was thinking about this morning, two statements, and you tell me which one you would get made or throw shade on. Mike Conley is better than Kemba Walker, or Kemba Walker is better than Mike Conley? I think Conley's still better. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think the fact that I, I'm asking that, though, is just showing what a jump that Kemba's made this year. Or what a leap, I should say, probably, on this <laughs> podcast. Dude, stay on brand for one. <laughs> no, dude, and that's why I was talking about Kyle Lowry, too, because Kyle Lowry has basically been is the last five, maybe five years now mm-hmm. in that exact same level as Conley and Kemba Walker. Yep. This year, he's head and shoulders above those guys. Yes, you know? correct. Yep. Last one. Get made or throw shade. The Nuggets will be the favorite hipster league pass team by a landslide next year. Oh, now, see, I don't know about that. That's a good question. I do love the Nuggets, I have to say. Yeah. Um, I think it's too uh, late this year for people to catch on, and then also they're yeah, out yeah. of the playoff race, so people will be focusing on them less. But I feel like they're going to pick up a lot of steam pretty early on in the summer about this whole thing. Dude, I absolutely, yeah, I, okay, yeah. I have to say I agree with that. Okay. I would like to say the Bucks for that, um, but mm. no. <laughs> Nuggets. Get made. Uh, okay, cool. Right, I like that. That's, we should, that's good. We should do that segment every week. Okay. okay, but speaking of the Bucks, you like my little mini transition here? I like it. We're doing good um, on the trans. But this is, okay, so you were saying you wanted to feature Corey Joseph all year. Yeah. All year, I've been wanting to feature my dude. This is one of my favorite players in the league, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Oh, okay, finally. Okay. Yes. Right? He's been so up and down. What a, just a singular guy. Nickname, the Greek freak, for obvious reasons. Arms and legs all over the place. You know, fast and seemingly skilled, but also totally unreliable. Okay. So the, he's made kind of a mini leap. Uh, it's the first time in his career that he's gone 10 straight games in double figures. So the consistency is there right now. He had his first career triple-double this week. Uh, again, against the Lakers, but still, um, still counts, <laughs> but the main thing that I think is important, uh, since the all-star break four games, um, he's made huge leaps in nicely done on in, brand <laughs> in points off turnovers, second chance points, fast break points and points in the paint. Now, especially the first three to me are where Giannis should really be focusing, right? It's like the sort of disruptive stats, yes, right? Yes, yes. Because Giannis is not a great shooter. He's not really good with the ball in his hands necessarily, but he's a great defender and he's a great, you know, disruptor, right? Yes. Uh, and so, yeah, again, like I say, his second chance points have gone up from 1.9 to 3.8 over the last four games. Fast break points have doubled. Uh, points off turnovers went up a whole point. Um, so to me, he's in the, again, this is just the last four games since the all-star break, but he's really like maximizing, you know, playing towards his strengths. Right. And talking about the bucks, you know, we talked about, uh, Chris Middleton this year, how he's made a huge leap. Right. And he's really allowed the team to kind of coalesce around him. Um, but the three wing combo that they have of Middleton, Jabari, Antetokounmpo, it's finally starting to come together. Those three guys have sort of... Jabari Parker also has made a little bit of a mini-leap. His last three games, he's had 20 points, or 20 in three of the last four. Hmm. Um, and I think that's a result of... Yeah, Middleton has settled into his role as sort of the wing shooter, 
more of the offensive creator. Uh, Giannis is more of like the four rebounder, disruptor, but good with passing. And then that allows Jabari to kind of, yeah, get open for his mid-range and operate in the middle between those two guys. Um, so yeah, I really like where the Bucks are at right now because those their three most important players have kind of figured out what they're about. The sad thing for them is Michael Carter Williams, <laughs> the guy who was brought in to sort of be the Jason Kidd protege, is just still totally killing them and really giving them nothing. He's regressed, made a leap down, if anything. Yeah. Because otherwise the Bucks would be... I don't know. I think really good. They're, they've won four out of their last six games against some good teams. They beat Atlanta and Washington. Um, their two losses in that stretch were by three and five points. They're really competitive right now. And I think it's like we said earlier, Middleton already made a big leap. I think Giannis now is coming into his own. I think by the end of the year, they'll be ready. Like you say, sort of primed for like league pass popularity. Mm. next year. You know, well, they've been playing Giannis a lot at the point recently. And I think well, that's fundamentally shifted how the rest of the team has played for mm-hmm. the better, essentially, right now. I don't mm-hmm. know how long that exper- experiment will go on or what form it'll take. But like you're saying, Chris Middleton's fine. He's fine in a vacuum. He's going to play good every game. Mm-hmm. But Jabari's game hinges a lot on Giannis slash whoever's playing point guard. And the crazy thing is, yeah, you can have him bringing up the ball, but then also when, you know, you change your lineup, you can have him switch to playing in the post and mm-hmm. guarding guys guys in the paint who he can guard really, especially nowadays that people play small in the paint. He can really guard anybody down there. Yeah. So he's kind of like um, a much more talented uh, Boris Diaw almost. Yeah. He's the meanest Boris Diaw, basically. <laughs> but the, you saying that about him bringing the ball up and everything, you know, that shows that the coach, Jason Kidd, is a little bit willing to kind of admit that Michael Carter Williams is not going to be working out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Those are my two micro leaps. Thanks for listening. Uh, So you can support the leap and our micro leaps by (laughs) subscribing on iTunes, or you can leave a review good or bad. And we will take it like men. We will. (laughs) Uh, But thank you for listening. Which is very poorly and lots of crying. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Later.